Welcome once again to the Deacon's Den. I'm Deacon Dave, your proprietor and host, and as always, I'm joined by the co-owner of the Den, Deacon Joe. And Joe, this is our first episode post-Hurricane Ian, and our prayers certainly still go out to all those who are so dramatically affected, especially in Southwest Florida. In Central Florida, this was a bit of a capricious storm, dramatically flooding some areas while others incurred very little damage. Yet the floodwaters in Seminole, Volusia, and Brevard counties are only now, two weeks later, beginning to recede. So Deacon Joe, first of all, how did you and Judy fare the storm? We were on vacation, so we <laughs> chose to miss it. <laughs> good good but, choice. But we did get back, and, and really our neighbors took care of anything that was amiss, but very little was amiss. Nice, nice, good to hear. I know you tried to duck in underneath the storm once it went out to sea and before it came into South Carolina. Right? Worked perfectly. Excellent. So if you ever want a map to avoid storms, just follow Deacon Joe on the road. It'll be great. <laughs> Well, we're glad to be back safe and dry in the den today. Now, two years ago, we hosted one of our favorite gatherings in the Deacon's Den when we invited several brand new deacons to join us just one month after ordination. And today, we've invited three of our newest baby deacons and their wives to share their memories from ordination day, as well as their experiences from the first four months of their ordained ministry. And to be honest, guys, we waited just a little longer with all of you to ensure that you all passed your 90-day probationary period. So I think we're safe now. We're up around 120 days, so I guess you're good to go. So we're going to move around the corner booth and have each of you introduce yourselves. And I want to honor both age and beauty, so we're going to start with Deacon Greg and Missy. So please, share a brief introduction with your names, where you were born, when you came to Florida, your current occupations, and at what parish you have been assigned to serve. Okay, well, as you mentioned, Deacon Dave, I'm Greg Caprell, my wife, Missy. Uh, let's see, I was born in New London, Connecticut, came to Florida the first time in 1998. I was in the military, uh, was assigned in uh, Miami, returned in 2000, this time over in Tampa, and have been in Florida ever since. Uh, I am currently an employee of St. Joseph Catholic Church and assigned to St. Luke's Catholic Church in Barefoot Bay. Fantastic. Now, you said New London. Were you a military family at that time, too? Yes. Yeah, my, my dad was career Coast Guard, permanently assigned at the academy yeah. as an instructor in New London. He said, New mil he said military. Oh! oh. <laughs> okay, Man. don't get me started Sorry, on Navy. <laughs> and we're off. <laughs> New London was a tip-off on Coast Guard, so uh, well, welcome. And uh, Missy, how about you? What can you add to that robust introduction? Not a lot. I'm Greg's wife, Missy. I'm originally from Nashville, Tennessee. Came to Florida originally in 1983 and left for a couple of years and came back in 96. And I've been here ever since. I'm a nurse. I currently work at in the recovery room at Sebastian River down in Indian River County, part-time. Yeah. Part-time nurse, full-time, putting up with this guy. Excellent. <laughs> An easy job. An easy job. <laughs> Thank you, babe. Well, now we're going to go to the, the middle children uh, of, the, uh, of the group here today. So uh, Deacon Joe and Edith, introductions, please. Joe Bellissimo. We've had a home here in, in Florida for probably over 20 years, but we made it permanent in fall of 2013. Born originally in Elwood City, Pennsylvania, little town in western PA, still town. We're assigned to the Basilica of St. Paul in Daytona Beach, Florida. Perfect. A very little town in western Pennsylvania. Very little town. Very little town. Edith, what about you? Well, I was born in Newcastle, Pennsylvania. Was that the big town next to yeah. Elwood? <laughs> yeah. And um, like Joe had said, we have been living here for the past eight years, and it was probably the greatest decision that we ever made was to move and raise our five children here. It's been truly a blessing. Your children are a blessing? Well, at times. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> well, that's a, that's a fair and honest pair of response. They a wonderful family. They do yeah. have a wonderful yeah, family. Yeah, we do. At least that's what we're we lucky. say on air while being recorded. <laughs> Finally, last and certainly not least, we're going to move to the youngest of our baby deacons. In fact, he is now the youngest deacon in the Diocese of Orlando at the ripe old age of 38. So, Deacon Jairo and Lydia, please introduce yourselves. Uh, thank you, Deacon Dave. My name is Jairo Rosario. I was uh, born and raised in Aguadilla, Puerto Rico. Then in 2007, I married my wonderful wife, Lydia. 
And 2013, I moved here uh, to Central Florida. I work for a resort company in the marketing department, and I'm assigned to St. Anne's in Haines City. Great. Well, thank you. It's good to have you here. Doesn't he have an amazing voice, too? I love that. He, he should have his own radio <laughs> program, Catherine. I'm just thinking. Lydia. So I'm the thick um, baby wife. <laughs> <laughs> I'm born in Guayama, Puerto Rico. I work currently in Northside Council of Central Florida. I'm not a therapist. I'm the manager in the office. Are, 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 are you are you Hiro's therapist, though? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would expect that. Well, it's good. It's great to have all six of you here. I know it's going to be a fun conversation uh, today. And it is great to see that you survived your first 100 days uh, plus of ordained ministry, and we're excited to hear about your experiences so far. So to start, I want to go back in time, back to June 11th, the day that didn't exist for me and Joe, but uh, to the day of your ordination. So I guess I better apologize now. Actually, <laughs> Dave should apologize because he got oh, sick. Oh, no. <laughs> I do feel the tire tracks on my back. Actually, you recorded your apology in the last episode. Yes. You, you yes, formally you recorded did. an you apology did. to Joe. I so saved I, it. I now was, we can do it face to face. I saved it. <laughs> he, he saved it. In, in fact, it's his ringtone now on the call. So... Uh, so we're going to uh, just start with a pretty basic question, and, and we can do this as a toss-up question to anyone who wants to jump in first. What do you remember most about your ordination day? Is there one memory that is clearly burned into your memory? Aside from uh, getting the text at 615 that <laughs> the deacon that was supposed to vest me bailed, um, <laughs> other than that... I, that I, one hurt. Even after the apology was on record, Joe. Right. I'm not I wanted that on the record. Yeah. Um, <laughs> No, I, in all honesty, what, what I remember the most mm -hmm. was I expected a flood of emotions. And you all know me, I'm very emotional. And the retreat, the canonical retreat leading up to ordination was just immensely emotional uh, for me. And it was beautiful. So I expected that, and I anticipated that. And the other rites leading up to ordination were emotional for me, both before and present. So I expected that. Mm -hmm. There was none of the emotion that I expected. Why do you think that happened? Have you reflected on that? I'll have quite a bit. Okay. And I think it was because I was so present in the ordination itself, in the sacrament, that the emotion couldn't make its way into me because I was at such at peace and such joy. And Edith and I have talked about mm -hmm. that, that that expectation of the emotion was just, it just never came. Mm -hmm. And if you could look at the video when you, when you interviewed us, I had the emotion. I couldn't talk in some points leading into that, into that interview, but it immediately dissipated once I became fully present and mm -hmm. it just overwhelmed me. It was beautiful. So was it an emotion-free day for you as well, too, Edith? Um, I would say it was filled with, you know, a lot of joy. And, you know, we had talked about this before that when we were married 28 years ago, you know, the, the excitement of the day, you forgot a lot. You know, I wish I would have seen that one or send, you know, spent more time with this person. But I think we made it a conscious effort to just be present in the moment for the day and to truly, like I said to him the other day, I could actually close my eyes and think about certain times in the Mass and remember exactly what I was thinking. I wanted to be truly present that day. And, uh, you know, I can remember. So learning from our wedding day, you know, just the, the day itself, being present, the day of ordination was completely different for us. I think that could be a whole other interesting episode on wedding day memories of deacon couples, because <laughs> I've got stories. What about the rest of you? Anything stand out about, especially the ceremony? I, I would think that there are certainly high moments and interesting moments in that. Who wants to jump in? They're, they're all staring at each other. Go at, for it. At I least know. for me, there were, like my brother was saying, there were so many moments, like they were very emotional and powerful. And the same as my brother, I was expecting to be pretty much crying all the time. But since we were, like it was beautiful, beautifully expressed, present there, uh, paying attention to every moment. Many moments were 
beautiful and powerful. But one moment that it was, it's pretty much stuck in my mind. It's when we were already fully bested and we went up all together with the bishop and we were pretty much, you know, in both sides looking at each other. So I was looking at all my brothers when I, I've been walking with them for pretty much six years, talking about if we get ordained, if we get to that point. The thing we beat into. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If you get ordained. So at that point, it was like, okay, the day is here. We are already ordained. <laughs> we are here serving. We are fully bested as deacons, serving with the bishop for the first time. And it was very emotional. I was looking at my brothers, the one that I have in front of me, and they were powerful looks between us. Nice. And it beautiful. Was, it was beautiful. What about for you, Lydia? Well, um, many emotions, too. Um that's funny because uh, Jairo and I are talking um, when we are came here. So about the, our wedding and compare the day with the ordination was different for me. Was perfect. Mm -hmm. Was a perfect day. Nothing happened. We are all on time, <laughs> which was amazing. <laughs> There's your miracle. There's an ordination day miracle. Our families arrive on time too, and uh, our community of community of faith will be. Um, in the they were one of the first times. The first, the, the first the, people over there in the facility. So they were knocking on the door at eight a.m. before the doors so are open. Yeah, was a perfect moment for us. Um, and also, I miss you guys in the ceremony. <laughs> um. we, we certainly missed you, too. Um, it was hard not to be there that day. But again, it went on. It was beautiful ceremony without us. So when we get to the second question, I'm going to skip over you, too, because the next question is going to be about the unexpected things that happen. And Lydia says, oh, it all was perfect. So it was perfect. What a boring day you are. <laughs> Greg and Missy, what about for you, too? Yeah, I would have to agree with everything so far, be, about being present in the moment. It was just very intense. And when the men went on the retreat, Father Ivan had talked to the wives, and he said, you know, when you're down on the floor, pray to God for, and ask for all the things that you want or need. So I remember when we got down, and I was praying for that with a level of just incredible intensity. But what I remember so clearly is when I got up, there was a puddle on the floor. And I don't know whether that was tears or whether it was sweat, but there was a puddle on the floor. But that moment when they sang that uh, Litany of the Saints, it just, it was one of those, it felt like a thousand years, but just a minute. Mm -hmm. And that was probably the most memorable uh, aspect of the you know, of the entire mass, although the whole the whole thing was beautiful. It was just incredible. Yeah, I, I, I'd agree with you from my own ordination that that was the moment that got me, that litany of the saints feeling prayed over by a community mm -hmm. uh, and the total position of surrender, really, to mm -hmm. God in that moment. So uh, awesome. And the, uh, the puddle, you know, sweat or tears, both are acceptable at that moment. And it was such a perfect ceremony, we didn't see the sweepers coming through and coming <laughs> up the puddles. It's, it's like the towel boys at an NBA basketball game. You know, they're wiping down the floor. Um, Missy? I think it's funny that you talked about your wedding days because we had that very same conversation. Because we were a little nervous, you know, but I said, you know what? It's just like our wedding day. Just be present in every moment and, and enjoy every moment. I said, because, I mean, we remember, of course, you know, we've only been married eight years, but we remember all the details of our, our wedding. It was that. It was just, like you said, being present and just taking in every moment and just being completely aware of what's going on around you. And, and it was a perfect day. It you know, was it's, a perfect it's day. interesting for me, you all referenced your wedding and the parallelism cannot be overstated, right? right? This is your second sacrament of vocation. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. both your marriage and your diaconate, and we always say that they're intertwined. Uh, Joe, did you have something you wanted to add in here? Yeah, Joe, the, Joe the second, I guess. I got a, uh, Joe the lesser. Joe yeah. the lesser. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, I agree with my brothers in, in, in the power of the, of the, of the litany, and it, it was so moved by that, that I continue to practice that same laying down not just to remind myself of the humility of that moment, 
but also the weight of that moment and, and the community of which we experienced and encountered. So I, I make a point personally to spend time in prayer laying down in that same posture so that uh, it, it continually reminds me of many things. Yeah, and that is a powerful prayer posture. I don't think it's, it's used enough. Um, I know for me, it's, it's if I can go into a darkened church and, and go prostrate in front of the Blessed Sacrament, it's powerful. You're all very profound people, but now I want to have some fun. I want to hear what went wrong. Um, so did anything unexpected, other than the fact that the cast of characters all changed uh, of the deacons, is there anything that sticks out of your mind, any memorable uh, uh, issue or encounter that happened as you yeah. were preparing to go for the day, once you arrived during the Mass afterwards? I see Missy smiling broadly, so there's got to be something down there. So, of course, with the substitution of the deacons... <laughs> When it came time for the vows, I'm, we're all standing there, and all of a sudden, I get shoved from behind by a deacon who missed his cue, and I kind of pushed back as he was shoving, and he said, go. <laughs> so I went up there and stood in front of the bishop for the entire time that they were doing the vows and thinking, okay, I wish I was invisible. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Greg, I am so glad you brought that up um, because uh, we, we saw what happened watching it on the video, and I'm sure uh, Deacon Joe did the same thing that I did because I uh, that was the one time I got to lean forward at the screen. like, Greg, what are you doing? And then I saw the hand in your back, and I went, Oh, you didn't have a choice. And, <laughs> and uh, it's, it's been a fun topic of conversation with John Trout and, and Bishop Noonan as well, too, because Bishop said, why did that one guy come in front of me? <laughs> it's like he didn't have a choice. He was doing what he was told. But, yeah, it was, yeah. A, it was a pretty authoritative handled, show. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, you handled it well. You just locked in. You didn't cause a ruckus or a scene. Could have turned around and, you know, well, no, you I'm know, not going. I mean, they always say, if you make a mistake, just stand there and look holy, right? Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, and to the rest of the and world, well. it looked like it was supposed to be there. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, right. yeah. Yeah. Although I will tell you that uh, my parochial administrator, Father Josh Swallows, called me on the way back from the, uh, the ordination. And he said, oh, it was a beautiful ceremony. But what about that one guy who's moved? <laughs> and I said, it wasn't his fault, Father. It wasn't his fault. You're yeah. famous now. Yeah. You are famous. Yeah. So becomes a game film. Yeah. Don't do this. Don't do this, yeah. yeah. Whoever's the MC over there. Yeah. yeah. What, what about the rest of you? That's, uh, any, any other things that happen in the day? There's, there's oftentimes, I think, back to weddings, you know, where people don't show up. People are running late. Your makeup's not. By the way, all your makeups look great, guys. You know, but anything uh, that was unexpected or... Hurdles to overcome? Not really hurdles, but because of the state of the airlines, several people couldn't make it. Quite a few mm. people couldn't mm. make it. That's true. Mm. Were there notable absences for you guys? Yes, yeah. I'm sorry to hear that. It is such a special day. I'm glad we had it live streamed, but still, that definitely has been a difficulty this summer. Well, okay, so you're all boring people. Nothing bad happened. And you have five kids. I expected no. something to go wrong. Pretty no. uneventful. They, they were all there. Yeah. Yeah. Marched them in single file. Yeah. yeah, that's right. They all sat down and smiled. <laughs> they had a blast. They had a practice. They had a lot of fun at the practice. Joe, yeah. have a whistle like in the sound of music, you know. Please yeah. step forward when I blow your 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 tune. No, it, it went without a hitch. Yeah, it was it perfect. Was, it, was, it was the perfect day. It really was. And with all the family in, as well, um, many of which had never been to an ordination uh, before, despite their devotion. No, there, there were no surprises, no. no problems. He invited me to practice dinner afterwards. Right. And I'm figuring, oh, he might have two or three people. I had three, four tables full of people. Four <laughs> Italians, even. <laughs> the, Ital the Italian families, yes. you know. He turned around as soon as he walked in. Yeah. yeah. Ton of people, ton of cookies. I think the Puerto Rican family could have... Uh, you know, compared with the number of people, I'm sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So for most deacons and wives, we often remember that one moment in the liturgy of ordination when it suddenly becomes real that you're being ordained a deacon. As, as you said already, Hiro, you talked about if for six years, and then you looked at each other. Was that the moment for you, or was there a moment uh, earlier in the ceremony or later that you said, oh, Dear Lord, I'm a deacon now. <laughs> no, since since we we were talking about that for you know several times before ordination, uh, I knew what was happening. I was fully aware, uh, you know, when we were besting, giving the blessing, everything. But that moment specifically, when we were there, that was 
pretty much the the biggest hit. It's happening. It happened. <laughs> we are here. So there's no turning back now. <laughs> there's no turning back. <laughs> yeah. As we often say, what part of permanent don't you understand? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, the moment to say no is already gone. Is, yeah. <laughs> We're here already. Yeah. So yeah, it was it, it was beautiful. It was definitely beautiful. What about for you, Joe or Greg? This might be a spoiler alert, but you know the canonical retreat was such a gift that it put us in that spiritual frame and perspective. And, and again, I hate to continuously use the word, but there, I don't think there is. There's not often I'm, I'm at a loss for words, but I don't think there's a better word than the presence of ordination. And as you all did every session with us, we almost relived those sessions in the liturgy, and that was really powerful. And so if to say one instance, one time, one point in the liturgy, no. I think when I was able to recognize the sessions that you uh, brought to us at the retreat, they were glaring. I would have missed them, I'm afraid. At least I would have missed them in their entirety, but not for how you formed us at the canonical retreat. So every single one of those was a wave and what I expected to be a wave of emotion that I received in those session was a, a wave of just an absolute blessing through that ordination. And every single one of them was just a glaring light of, of beauty. Does that make sense? It makes sense to me. I'm just feeling the pressure. We better remember what we did <laughs> two years from now. Um, Can we I, repeat that? <laughs> yeah, I think a lot of it had to do, and it, you know, we have talked a lot about the canonical retreat, and you know we did something different with you guys this time, yeah. uh, taking you down to Our Lady of Perpetual Help, which, you know, pray for that retreat center, because yeah. uh, they were in the, in the eye of the storm there. Um, but yeah, it, I recall that as being a very profound retreat, and I know a, a lot of you guys did express that and, and freely engaged your emotions. So um, yeah, it's the power of the Holy Spirit working. What about for you, Greg, in terms of your moment of, hey, I'm ordained now? I think for me, it came when we did the blessing to our wives, because up to that point, as as Joe mentioned, you know, you had taken us through that process. Uh, we had gone through the rehearsal, so everything was kind of the way it's been. We kneeled in front of the bishop before for the acolyte, acolyte and uh, liturgy acolyte. and lector. Yeah. lector. Mm -hmm. But when I actually made that sign of the cross on my wife, that was the first time we did something that was unique to our calling in terms of, you know, being a deacon. Uh, so for me, that was the aha moment. You know, it was interesting when after my ordination in the truck on the way back to Brevard County, Judy had mentioned that my job is done. Her job, her, her job, job is done? was done. You know, she said my job was to pray you back into the church. <laughs> and I she guess prayed too hard. Job, so, you know, it's just that the wives play such a significant role in affirming the call. How how was the ride home with your newly ordained deacon? Was he too full of himself? No, no, not these men. Not these men. I trust these guys. But yeah, great question, Joe. I don't even remember the. <laughs> They remember everything during the day except the ride home. Well, I, I, can, I can get that. Probably ever shadowed. I'll say, I'll, 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 go ahead. I'll go say ahead. for us, it was one of like great joy and happiness. We were, you know, we're ready to get started. And I don't know. We were like really excited and happy. And yeah. we really couldn't stop smiling. No, no. And, you know, it, it, it kind of is a segue. Greg, you said that perfectly because the first thing we did speak about was the blessing. Yeah. There's no question. And I don't remember. She was just saying just the other said, day. I don't even remember what you said to me. I know you blessed me and I was present in the moment, but that was probably the one thing from ordination day. I don't remember what you said to me. So in, in that response to your question, yeah. that's the first thing we spoke about. I can tell you that because that was just so powerful. Yeah. And, uh, it, it, I would say it was... It was and putting your stole on you. That was very emotional for myself, was putting the... I had to take a minute. I was, yeah, even talking about it now, I kind of get really choked up. That was a really emotional moment for me, you know, walking with you and the kids through six years of formation and watching us change and watching our children change and, you know, put... you Because know, you, you look at these men and you know that this is a life that they have lived... 
and this just is sacramentalizing a life. Like I said that day in the interview, outside of right before Joe, you know, mass started, I had said this is who Joe was when he was a little boy. This is who Joe is currently, and this is who Joe forever will be. And you know, we were just the kids, and I were just lucky enough to be on the ride with him through this journey, and. You know, besting him, that was probably one of the, other than the kids being born and our wedding day and ordination day, that was probably one of the greatest, I would say, memories, you know, of my life was doing that. I would agree. That yeah, was a very really emotional was. moment. Yeah, It really was. It was in talking about it, as you can all see, you know, I, it bring, I can actually go back into that moment of that day and know my emotions and know that, you know, this was right. This is what God has called Joe to do and to be. That's a perfect uh, day. Yeah, I was going to say it's not only beautiful, but a reminder we should have had Kleenex in the room here today. Yeah, I did have it in my purse. The kids remembered. The one thing we forgot. Um, Lydia, how about you guys on the drive home? Okay. uh, Before talking about the ride home, uh, that was my perfect moment in the ceremony, the blessing, the blessing. When he came to me and blessed me, that was beautiful. And after that, I can stop to say, hi, can you bless me? (laughs) 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 And when we drive to home, I uh, asked him, how you feel? You feel, well, you already Mm -hmm. are a deacon. You already are a deacon. It was beautiful and very happy, very, very happy moment. And I, I remember. I remember drive drive home. So was beautiful. Was a bless. No one got any speeding tickets on the ride home because you were not paying it. Okay, good. I just wanted to make sure we didn't probably cause, going too slow. It's cause, like my head somewhere else. <laughs> What's the speed limit? So I, I want to move past ordination now to the first days of service as a deacon. Uh, any memories or things that stand out from your first weekend as a deacon? What went well? Any oops stories? Because people always like oops stories. Trust me. Oh, I've had my oops stories. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, give me one. Give us the best one. Aside from reading the wrong gospel. Um, <laughs> and that wasn't even the best one. Which, which like, in my defense, oh. it was cycle B, cycle C, and it was almost the same passage, so everything was cool. But um, I was commingling, as, as the two of you had warned us several times. And we have a very tight space. So, so for those listening who don't understand what commingling is, uh, pouring the and uh, adding crew. the drop of water to to the wine. Yes, it's not hanging out with people in the north. No, okay, no. Good. I just um, want to make sure we were clear on that. Those vestments can be tricky, mm. and one of the cruets decided that it no longer wanted to stay on the altar, but thought the floor would be a nice place to venture. <laughs> so, as I see it cascading down from the top of the uh, of the altar, I catch it with my body against the altar but those vestments again and god has a sense of humor they're slippery and (laughs) proceeds down towards our towel floor in the middle of mass obviously and i'm thinking god this is going to smash everywhere and he has a sense of humor like i said it did not break instead the crew it rolled all the way across the altar. <laughs> so I, instead of looking at Father, I look at the congregation, and they're watching it. They're just watching the crew it roll all the way down and um, rested right in front of the altar. So the rest of Mass, the crew it sat on the floor in front of, and he said, don't even, don't even get, don't worry about it, no problem. But everybody was just smiling and laughing and knew the rookie the newbie deacon made a mess of everything and dropped the cruet. So. Well, it was, as we say, it was still a valid mass, but yeah, that's... Uh, okay, top that, gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to top it, but uh, any memories what went particularly well or what <laughs> caught you by surprise? No, I didn't have anything like my brother here. <laughs> but, uh, Thank God I, I would have been getting letters from the bishop <laughs> how to train these guys. So on the first week in the Saturday, uh, I had my day off. <laughs> they say no on Sunday. You come back on Sunday. So I preach uh, on both masses. The first one is English, so you know how I felt. <laughs> English is my second language, so I was there like, like my brother was saying, sense of humor. I was like, God, you haven't said sense of humor. My first one is going to be in English, 
So I prepared the homilies for English and Spanish. So every time that I was in the altar, you know, in the area, I was like, okay, Jairo, what's the next part? What's your next part? What do you have to do? What do you have to say? <laughs> I didn't want to, you know, miss anything. So I will say that at least in those first masses, I was paying more attention to that, that to the, to the everything that was happening. Uh, now it's more, of course, more natural. You've been doing it for some time. So, you know, what parts are you going to move or say or something? But yeah, it was it was kind of strange paying attention to everything, trying not to, you know, drop say drop, <laughs> drop, drop a <laughs> thank, thank you, Missy, for thank you. Thank you, rubbing the salt in just there a little bit more. Thanks again for anybody who missed it earlier. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> could we have that on you instant replay? <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it's it's something we talk about, right? Even when we go through the practicum, that you will have these. You think you know it, and then the first time you get into the sanctuary and you serve, and there's several hundred people staring at you, and you're wearing these garments that you're not used to wearing. Yeah, it's it's probably not the most reverential prayed masses at that moment because you're having to think through the details. What about you, Greg? Well, let's see. The first mass was the Sunday after ordination, and uh, my pastor had originally said, you don't have to preach, and then he changed his mind. Um, so there was that added pressure, but it went well, um, and I was blessed. Um, as you know, we had Missy's wedding gown made into a dalmatic, and I was able to wear it that Sunday because we were we were vested in white. Um, so that was it was a beautiful mass. The next Sunday, I didn't get to serve because I had COVID. Um, Thank you, Deacon Joe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was okay. I was patient zero, but he was yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, um, and then the third weekend was my first at St. Luke's. We had a visiting priest, and we were getting ready to take the chalices with the precious blood down to give them to the Eucharistic ministers, and the other deacon that was serving with me stumbled and caught himself, but everything went up in the air, and so there was precious blood all over the sure. sanctuary floor. Mm -hmm. So there's me, the deacon, sacristan, and the priest down on our hands and knees with purificators cleaning the floor. And it was really an emotional moment because if you remember the movie, The Passion of the Christ, mm -hmm. when our Blessed Mother is cleaning up the blood. Mm -hmm. So that was the oops, but it was just an incredibly powerful moment being down on your hands and knees, you know, you're fully vested and you're cleaning it up. Mm -hmm. Wow, that is, and, I, and that image was was profound. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, we're having such a great conversation, but you got to move us along here. It's I don't want to end up with a three part mini series. <laughs> um, what would you say? And and just quickly around the table uh, to the deacons. Then I'm going to go to the wives in a second. But just in your first hundred plus days as a deacon, is there a true highlight that stands out? And this obviously can go beyond just serving at mass. Or any one thing that really caught you by surprise that you stepped back and said, oh, wow, I didn't realize that was going to be part of the gig. So for, for the gentleman here, is there that one memory from the first hundred days that is a real uh, blessing or a lesson learned? Well, Deacon Dave, I know you had warned us that if we thought we were busy during formation, <laughs> that we hadn't seen anything yet. Um, so I have given 14 different homilies. So that's not one homily at like multiple masses. That's 14 different homilies in the 16 weeks that we've been ordained. And I was never expecting that. And just the sheer volume of preparation time that's needed and to pray and reflect. And it's really difficult when you have several in a row, you know, so like during the priest convocation, three in a row and three different gospels and three different homilies uh, it's tough new appreciation for our priests that are alone oh absolutely exactly and why we also say uh, always be ready to preach you know so that okay so a, a good insight uh Hira, what about you well at least for me the same as he was saying uh the first month pretty much in july my pastor was going on vacation so he said you're preaching the full month wow. so you know working and preparing like he's saying it's not just going over there and saying something you have to prepare so it's a lot a lot of preparation and i have done pretty much a close amount 
to yours. I, I think I'm maybe on 11 or 12, maybe. And uh, the part that you just said, that's one of the parts that I will remind everyone. Always be prepared. I already have my moment. <laughs> uh, the, thing, the thing is like uh, the priest that he's helping is a retired priest and he can celebrate the mass in Spanish but he cannot preach in Spanish mm -hmm. so I walk into the sacristy and he's there I thought it was the other priest which is Hispanic and he looked at me and he, were, and he was like so you're preaching I'm like uh, nobody said anything and it was like, well, I'm celebrating today, so that means you're preaching. I'm like, okay, Jairo. In my mind, I was like, remember that part of always being prepared? So I was like, okay, so if it is me, it's me. So I started, you know, kind of preparing what I was going to say. And then I told him, like, well, I was definitely not prepared. I was honest. So I was, mm -hmm. I'm not prepared, but I'll do it. I said, don't worry, we'll ask the Holy Spirit. And then when I asked for his blessing... <laughs> Lydia on the way home was laughing because she was like, that was the longest blessing I've ever seen. <laughs> that was like a 40-second blessing. <laughs> Keep singing verses of the hallelujah, please. We got time. And then she, yeah. she told me, I think that's the longest homily you have done. Oh. Yeah. Well, well, it was as well. And was very good yeah. because was he preached with his heart mm -hmm. and was beautiful. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. That, you know, that's a couple of the keys, right? The inspiration can still come. Sometimes the long homilies do result when we don't have time to pray because we're almost searching for it. And that's where I think that mantra uh, that is taught in the homiletics class of one scripture, mm -hmm. one message, one image. And if you always go back to that, you can prepare a homily in five minutes because I know both Joe and I have had that happen multiple times in, in our lives. Uh, Joe B., what about you? The one thing in the first 120 days? I, I think it's outside the sanctuary. For me, the most, not that the, the Mass isn't, of course, the, the source and summit, but everything that's transpired outside the sanctuary has been the most uh, moving and, and beautiful blessing for me. Um, the interaction, I, I look at it as, as the bridge and the real, you all know me, I'm very pragmatic. I try to connect, and the people are starving, starving for connection. And it's, as you always said, it's contagious. And the, when they feel that connection, it just seems, everything seems to grow. So my interactions with, with parents and grandparents and children, different groups, not just a need, but it just happy. Uh, those who have returned to the faith, those who have found a, a real palpable presence of, of Christ with them now, and they want to share that. So it's not always the, the, the bad, so much of the good, but it's been that interaction in the first hundred days that uh, I just, it, that fuels, it really does fuel you, um, or at least me, uh, to continue and try to give uh, everything of me and, and what I have to offer because they're giving, I'm getting so much more than I ever expected. Right, and, and I think that underscores so well that being a deacon is in performance art. Right. It's not something we do to be observed and seen, but the bridge that we all, all, always talk about. Uh, ladies, this one is um, for you. Is there any new insight as a deacon wife that you gained that you maybe weren't prepared for, um, and you suddenly said, Oh, this is what it means now. This is the expectation. Was there something stands out, Lydia? Can you do you have any? When we do something new, we need to do adjustment in our life. So it's not be easy. <laughs> if I tell you it's perfect, no, it's not. We are continuing doing adjustment because that month of July. I felt like you too when, when, with your boys. I felt that I, I have a, a boy in a, in a team, and I need to prepare him. <laughs> <laughs> to play the game. Uh, yes, to play the game. Yeah, to wash his uniform. So, and uh, so, <laughs> so always running, running, running. But I think we are, in, we are improved step by step. I think um, maybe I 
are more patient because I need to wait for him after mass. <laughs> he has a long line <laughs> to, <laughs> to do blessings. Mm -hmm. uh, I need to wait for him, and I understand more um, his calling. Beautiful. Missy? Um, I don't know that I'm surprised by anything because mm -hmm. uh, Greg's worked for the church for the last four years, so I'm kind of familiar with how that goes. <laughs> um. And if you could have seen the expression <laughs> on her face as she said that, it encapsulated everything about that statement. <laughs> but, yeah, so St. Luke's has been great, has been very welcoming. And so while he's doing his greeting and blessings and stuff, I'm chatting up the ladies and it's fine. It works out good. Nice. Yeah. And it is the power of the deacon couple, right? It's that you each make that connection, that, that bridge. Edith. Well, I'll say for myself, you know, I feel like we were prepared. You know, I'm not prepared, but not prepared. And I'm sure everybody knows that, you know, what that is. But I would say um, for me, the one like surprise or like my aha moment, I will say, and even to this day, it's still like I still cry is when, you know, you're used to seeing them in the elb and even with the stole, but when that Dalmatic gets put on, I don't know. It's something, I guess, it solidifies like a life that Joe has lived. And I, it's just to this day, seeing him come down the aisle holding the gospel and he's in his Dalmatic and seeing him, you know, on the altar, that every time, you know, and I always say, you know, please, God, the Holy mm -hmm. Spirit, please allow him mm -hmm. to you know, read the gospel, allow him to, you know, when he's doing his homily, saying his homily, preaching his homily, allow him to, even if he touches one person in the congregation, then he's done what God has wanted him to do. As long, you know, it's building, you know, that relationship. So I think that is probably even to this day, seeing him up there and in his Dalmatic, that's, it's just beautiful. She didn't expect that. I didn't expect it. That's what I wanted. I wasn't prepared for that, for that, mm -hmm. like, wow, yeah. wow. She looks at her husband and says, wow, she yeah. wasn't expecting that. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like after mass, after mass. There's his... a short guy coming down the yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Dragging a Dalmatic. Why, why does that yeah, altar server do have on that? <laughs> No, you know what's interesting, Edith, is the what you just said you pray is exactly yeah. what my wife Rosie prays. Yeah. She says, may God bless Dave to share the one message he wants, you know, that God wants me to share during the course mm -hmm. of the proclamation or the preaching. Mm -hmm. And she also says, and if it only is for one person, may that be the one person right. that needs yeah. to hear it. And so, you know, I yeah. just told him the other day, and we were just talking about some things, and I said, you know, um, when he, you know how like sometimes you see in movies or you have children and they're praying at night before bed and sometimes Christmas is rolling around and you, you know, the little boy sits there and he's like, oh God, please let me just get the bike for Christmas, that red bike for Christmas or something. And you see his eyes like squint real tight because he's in such deep prayer. Mm -hmm. When Joe grabs the gospel and he raises it and he turns and then his eyes, very boyish, like close real tight and I know at that moment he is in such deep prayer and that's when I start praying God Holy Spirit allow him to do what he needs to do so that's like he really didn't know it but on my part that's an intimate moment between Joe and I and God but Joe doesn't know Joe doesn't know what I'm saying but in my mind that for us, is an intimate moment that he has no idea. Well, now he knows. As to everyone who listens yeah, to that, so welcome us into your intimate but to uh, me, moments. That's a very oh, intimate really? moment yeah. just shared between him and I that, you know, well, now everybody he now knows. Yeah. I, have a little prayer. I have the same Holy Spirit fill my husband's mouth with your words and speak to the children that yeah. the words that you want them to hear. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I have a final question for everyone. Uh, this has been a great conversation today. Um, you were also shy coming in here. That never lasts long, I does it, Joe? It. Yeah, yeah. I don't know why they were shy. They see the microphones. in the booth. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was it. 
who's picking up the tab? That's what I want to know. Um, but this is for everyone. And, and if we could just keep it very precise, then we'll just go around the table. What advice would you give the men in cohort 2024 or their wives who will hopefully be ordained in 20 months? If you had one statement to share with them based on your experience, what would it be? Greg, can I start with you? Uh, it's what I sent you in that email, Deacon Dave, um, homilies. Just be prepared. Be ready to give one without any notice. Uh, really focus on the Lectio Divina and your preparation of it, because that's in the, in the source and summit that is the Mass, and you're preaching the Gospel, that's the lesson, that's what they're going to learn and that really has to be your focus, and just be prepared to do many. <laughs> many, as you have. So pay attention in the homiletics class. That's still the best course we had during formation. Missy? You're going to have to come back to me on that. We'll come back. All right. <laughs> the, uh, the delegate passes. We'll move on. Lydia, what would you share with the class? They need to continue praying, because if they feel that is a real call— they need to pray and pray more. God will give the answer that they look in. Beautiful. Hiro. That pretty much the, the same to deepen our prayer. That's something that everyone discerning the diaconate has to do. And all of us already ordained, we still have to keep finding more time and more time for our prayer, our meditation, our time with him. Because... Now we are called to give something to the people of God, but we have to nourish ourselves so we can give them what they need, what God wants us to give them. And I was going to say the same thing as Lydia said, uh, to keep hearing the voice of God, the call. If God is really calling them, God is going to put everything in place for them to serve him. And, and if you don't stay in prayer, it becomes a job and not a call. And I think that's one of the things that, that you've said so well, the two of you. Thank you. Joe. I agree with my sister Lydia and my older brother Hiro. Um, older brother. <laughs> <laughs> the ancient one. Only a majority. <laughs> but I, I think for me, my advice would be very simple. Stop, as they said, the prayer, but fully immerse into the growth that they experience, that the two of you and your team, Jennifer, everybody, Bishop, has created through formation. And appreciate the awakenings, the enlightenments, the growth, the progress as you journey closer to God, not just the ordination, but to God, and then share that. Take the others that you minister to on that same journey, not just with your words, but with your life. And as you recognize how much we have grown and changed and, and become closer and beloved, as you say, children of God, and appreciate that, then take that to the people. Take that, because they're on the same journeys. And our success has to be God's success, which means has to be their success, getting closer to Him. And that's the key. That would be my advice. And that doesn't come from any great eloquence in speaking, it doesn't come with any intellect so much as it comes with the spiritual prayer, the connection that we have, and we help them discover it themselves. We can't make them. Once they realize and see and we share that growth, I believe 100%, they'll grow and they'll experience God themselves. And that, that's our vocation. Yeah. Amen. Edith. I would say... To stay By the way, this is the final word, so yeah, don't feel yeah. too much pressure. <laughs> to, to, to be your true, authentic self. Yeah, I mean, you, you wear many masks. You're a mom, you're a wife, you're a, you know, a sister, a daughter. And if you don't stay, I believe, your true, authentic self in each one of those masks, then, you know, you failed. So saying your true, authentic self is what, my advice. And you can't ask for more than no. that. Yeah. No, I don't. So, Joe, I'm only disappointed that none of them said, listen and do everything that Joe and Dave tell you to do. So, yeah, they kind of missed <laughs> that out. There's lessons in that yeah. when they don't. <laughs> if I could, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, I forgot to come back come to back you, to Missy. Me. So I would say be patient. Mm -hmm. 
be patient with yourself, be patient with your husband or your wife, and just trust that God has you where you're supposed to be. And it's that patience, which comes so difficult (laughs) most of the time, but that's what's going to get you through. Just understand God's got a plan and it's not yours. So just be patient. Well, as one of his COVID sidelined on your ordination day, um, first of all, thank you for filling me in on some of the details that brought that day to life for you, uh, as well as how those first four months have gone. I think there's been some beautiful insights you've shared today. So thank you for that. Deacon Joe, what thoughts come to your mind as you listen to our our brothers and sisters uh, in our conversation today? I I think that last go-around was, I think, critical, especially for the men that are in formation. I don't care where they're in formation. You know, we ask our people going through formation to be vulnerable, that you're going to show a side of yourself that, you know, society itself has really told us, no, you can't, you can't do that in public because it'll show weakness. But in reality, when we are weak, we are the strongest. Mm-hmm. When we are vulnerable, then people are drawn to us. And then when we share the love that we spend in prayer in the time of building relationship with God and our Lord and Savior, then that's the gift that he's given us. He says he will pack it into us, good measure, overflowing, and let that overflow to the rest of the community and the world. Well, I'm definitely proud of all three of you guys as new deacons and and you wives that walk with them and Make sure your your little boy makes it to all of his sports, uh, <laughs> sports activities. Um, you know, because I see in all three of you couples wonderful signs and servants. You know, signs of the kingdom and servants of the kingdom of God, um, and you're doing it joyfully. And I think that's the key to our ministry. So I appreciate that. And as Joe just said, the vulnerability you're willing to share today uh, and in your ministry, I think, makes all the difference. So I am both happy and proud to be able to serve with all of you uh, in the years ahead in our ministry. So what's next on the menu at the Deacon's Den? Well, the permanent diaconate was restored by the Roman Catholic Church in 1968, the same year that the Diocese of Orlando was founded. So the next time we gather in the Den, I will invite our diocesan archivist, Renee Bennett, to join us and share some of the fascinating stories of the history of the diocese over its first five decades. Sadly, we've reached closing time at the Den, but I'm glad you dropped by. Come back in when you hunger for hearty discussions on the diaconate and Catholic conversation. Until we meet again, I pray you walk closely with God on life's journey. And when you feel the urge to visit the Deacon's Den, remember, there's always a corner booth reserved just for you.